Are you ready to elevate your doula business to the next level? I want to introduce you to the ultimate guide to crafting your kick-ass doula packages. Whether you're a seasoned doula looking to refresh your offerings or just starting out in the field, this free guide is your roadmap to success. In this guide, you'll find strategies to tailor your services for your clients, ways to make the prices sustainable for you and something that you feel really great about, and different creative ways to make your doula packages unique to you and not just the same as everybody else's in the industry. This is a free guide and you can download it right now. Head over to hurrahdoulaservices.com slash doula packages to get your copy today. Hello and welcome to Kaylee Daily, the weekly, bi-weekly now podcast about doula tips and tips. I am Kaylee Harad, your host, um, also mom, doula, wife, um, childbirth educator, <laughs> author, and creator of the Birth Prep Blueprint, which is the host of this lovely podcast show. Um, and I am all about bringing you information. I'm on a mission to help families have more informed, um, consent filled births. Um, and that is the motivation behind this podcast. So if you're new to this podcast, this is episode 12 and, um, we are talking about all things fertility, pregnancy, um, birth, postpartum, lactation. On this podcast, it's one question, well, one question-ish a week. So sometimes there's like follow-up questions to that one question in a week. Um, so, but it's like generally one question a week, which means you can send in questions and you can put them in the comments or you can um, send them to me on Instagram. My Instagram info is in the show notes. Um, and I would love to connect with you there. I'd love for you to follow me there so you can see when new episodes are out and also obviously like subscribe and whatnot so that you can see that as well. Um, so today we are diving into the question, how do you choose your birth team? So before we get started, this is not medical advice. This is education and entertainment. And if you're looking for medical advice, I recommend that you talk to your medical team to get advice that is specific to you. So um, that is my blanket disclaimer <laughs> at all, at all times in all of my work. Um, so let's dive into this question. So how do you pick a provider for birth? And I mean, a lot of this could be applied to like a pediatrician as well, I suppose. Um, but for the sake of this today, we're also, t- we're mainly talking about your provider for giving birth um, and how to kind of weed through what your options are and who's in your area. So there are a few nuances in this, as in everything <laughs> that I do, right? Um, it depends on where you live and what access you have to providers. Um, I feel very privileged that I live in the DC area and here in the DC area, we have a very robust network of providers to choose from. So there's a whole range of folks that you can have um, on your team. 
And obviously access to good providers is still an issue everywhere in the lovely United States of America. But, um, but for the sake of this conversation, I want you to start by asking yourself, what my, what are my options, right? Because you might be listening to this from a small town in Mississippi, in which case you might not have as many options as if you're listening to this from New York City, Kansas City, Portland, something like that, right? Where maybe you have four or five different hospitals to choose from or half a dozen or a dozen um, providers that's, that are near enough that you could realistically go to them. So that's the first thing. Take stock of what your options are. Um, and oftentimes in pregnancy, people recommend folks. So let's say you are in that small little town, right? Um, then usually if you know other people who've given birth, they're like, oh, you should definitely see Dr. So-and-so, right? Um, and when they do that, I, I'm a, okay. So let me just back up a little. I am a huge proponent of that. I think it's amazing to get referrals. That's in fact how I get like 99% of my clients. I don't know that any of my clients come to me now, like not being referred. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe if you do, but um, most of them are referred by someone, either a past client or a midwife or um, a family member or somebody. Right. So they come with like some some personal knowledge of me. And that really is helpful for the relationship because there's a level of trust there in the fact that they trust the person who referred them. So that is also true for providers, right? Like if you get good referrals, that's great. However, keep in mind that not everybody births the same way or wants to birth the same way. So one of the things that I think can be helpful to ask when someone gives you a provider recommendation is, what did you like about them? And what kind of birth did you want to have or did you have? So because and and not in like a combative way, right? Like I don't mean for you to argue with them, but so that you have a better understanding of what it was that they liked about that person. And if it is compat- compatible with what you want in birth. So you want to take into account if you are even hoping for the same kind of birth that they had and if the things that they valued about their provider are things that you value and are looking for. So let me give you an example of this. So um, some of the things in birth that vary person to person are um, decisions and desires around medication decisions and desires around birth location, right? Hospital, home birth, birth center, et cetera. Um, Desires around communication from a provider. Some people want super quick prenatal visits, right? Some people are like, get me in, get me out. No nonsense. Like, I don't have questions for you. I want to take five seconds, you know? Other people want a long conversation and they come with like 15 to 20 questions which is fine, but you can see how those two folks might not love the same provider because if that provider is like, all right, two minutes in and out, and that's what that client wants, that's what that patient's looking for, then that's a perfect fit for them, right? But if that's not what you want, that's not a perfect fit for you. 
doesn't mean it's a bad doctor. Okay. So I'm not even strictly talking about like good and bad providers, right? I'm talking about differences that matter to different people. So um, another thing to think about is any past trauma. Now, I know this is not something that people love to dive into all the time, but one thing that is super important in birth is to take account of if you have had past trauma around medical care. So if you've had a condition where doctors dismissed you, didn't listen to you, right? Um, maybe you've had a family member that was chronically ill. You spent a ton of time in the hospital and the hospitals are kind of triggering. Like All of those are things to factor in when you're looking for a birth location and a birth provider, okay? Um, another thing to factor in is your health and how the pregnancy is going in terms of health and safety. So um, there are a, there's a spectrum of providers, right? There are um, certified professional midwives. There are certified nurse midwives. Um, there are OBGYNs. There are maternal fetal medicine doctors. There are traditional midwives um, in, like, um, indigenous and other cultures. Um, and so there's a wide range of providers in the birth space. Now there are all, I mean, we could get into like all the nitty gritty of laws and accessibility to all of those providers and the racism and the gatekeeping that is, um, blocking access to some of them. So, that's a whole different rant for another day and not today's episode. But I say that to say just because you're pregnant does not mean that you have that whole range of providers to choose from, right? Um, however, it's important to know that, like, a desire for a home birth with a home birth midwife, for instance, that may be a certified professional midwife, maybe it's a trad traditional midwife, Maybe it's a certified nurse midwife. Um, regardless of who that person is, there are risk factors that make a home birth not safe for someone. So you have to be a certain level of healthy in that pregnancy. So things like um, your blood pressure is normal and you're not having hypertension, right? Or um, you don't have any kind of fetal abnormalities, meaning that you that your baby is not going to need immediate medical attention after birth, right? Or you are otherwise healthy. You don't have risk factors for significant hemorrhage, for instance, or things like that. That could be life-saving to be at a hospital, right? So that is part of the evaluation when you're figuring out what even are your options is how healthy is your pregnancy, how low risk is your pregnancy, um, and that is super specific to you. And it can change during the pregnancy, which really sucks. Like it is really hard to be super low risk and want an out of hospital birth and plan an out of hospital birth. And then at the last minute become high risk. It sucks. It really does. Um, but also it's important to know in terms of safety. Um so another thing, so that's all like kind of the logistics of picking a provider, right? The other thing that I really want you to think about is if you trust this person. And I think this is something that we really underrate um, or like dismiss a bit, right? And I think it's very detrimental to do so. So um, one of the things I'll sometimes hear from clients is things like when they're talking about 
um, if they don't love their provider, they're like, I don't know. I mean, she's super nice. And um, obviously, like, she's been an OB for a long time, so she must be very experienced. But she doesn't really listen to me. And I'm like, that matters, right? Like, it doesn't matter if she's been an OB for 20, 25 years. If you don't feel like she listens well to you, you're going to feel that feeling in birth as well, probably, right? In general, who the OB is when you're interacting with them prenatally is who they are when you're in labor. They're definitely not, like, nicer usually, right? So if they're kind of rude to you, in prenatal care or the midwife, right? Like personality stuff is not specific to one profession. There are doulas who are crazy, right? But if if a provider is not treating you respectfully or treating you kindly or giving you the kind of validation and, and listening and whatnot that you need in pregnancy, don't expect that that is going to positively change during labor, okay? The other thing to keep to think about is how will you feel if your provider is not present. So here in the DC area, most providers work in groups. Um, And so there's a really high chance that you'll get someone else besides the person that you see on a regular basis, right? So that's also something to gauge. How is that going to impact you? If you have built a relationship with one particular person, that's the person that you trust to deliver your baby. um, And then they're not on call how is that going to be for you? And is it significant enough that it's worth finding a single provider that's like has a much higher chance of being there? Or is it okay? And you're fine with the fact that there's a shared practice and all of that, you know, again, totally dependent on what you're looking for. Okay. Um, The last thing I'll mention is around choosing um, a provider that fits the desires and birth that you'd like to have. Um, one of the things to think about is experience level. Now, I don't mean experience in like you've been a provider for 10 years or 11 years or five years or whatever. Um, I more mean experience in the birth that you want to have. Now, the time when I see this most dramatically is when someone's wanting an unmedicated birth at a hospital, right? Because in the U.S., at least, Hospitals still have like a 70 to 75% rate of of um, epidural usage during labor. So it's very high. So then if you're wanting a birth in a hospital without an epidural, there's a much higher chance that your provider has primarily experience with people with an epidural. So that's an important thing to ask. Because again, going back to the trust factor, going back to like navigating the twists and turns of labor, if you're with a provider that's most experienced and most comfortable navigating the twists and turns of a medicated labor, but doesn't really have experience navigating the twists and turns of an unmedicated labor, you might not get the same kind of informed help that you would get from a provider who's well-versed in the norms of unmedicated birth. And from my perspective as a doula, I will say most births, um, the epidural is given at a point where you either are in the very beginning of or you have not yet entered into the transition point into pushing, right? So what I have seen at hospitals that have a very high epidural rate um, is that the transition and pushing of someone without an epidural looks 
kind of scary to some providers and nurses who don't have experience with it. Now, obviously, this is not a blanket statement to all providers and nurses, okay? But when it's not what you're used to or not what you've seen, it's hard to normalize that thing, right? It's hard to be like, oh, yeah, this is how it should look. This is how it usually looks. This is one of the many ways it can look. Um, And so it's helpful for you as a patient to understand your provider's experience level in that. The other thing that I see a lot is here in D.C., still many providers prefer that someone delivers on their back, um, especially in a hospital setting. Now, birth center setting, home birth setting, they're not trying to have you on your back in most cases. Um, But in a hospital, if you really do not want to give birth on your back, then asking about their experience level and their comfort level with actually catching a baby in a different position is very important because in the midst of pushing is not when you want to find out that they don't allow or don't want or don't do that sort of thing. Now, you already know about me that I am all about informed decision-making and autonomy and consent. So if it is safe to do so, birth your baby however the heck you want to. However, this goes back to trusting your team, right? Because there are moments when out-of-hospital birth providers are like, you know what, this thing is happening that's kind of like, meh, not, not my favorite thing. It's not a really great twist and turn. And so we need you to be on your back and to push like this because we need this to be over fast, right? There are those scenarios in birth. So you want to know that you have a team that is actually telling you this is a moment when we we really hate that we can't do what you want, but we need you to do this other thing because it's safest. Or are you telling me to do this other thing because it's your preference? Because those are two very different things, right? And personally, part of my desire in this is that I would be really irritated for you to tell me this is like a safety issue. And actually, it's just you wanting me on my back or being most comfortable with me on my back or whatever, right? I'm happy to follow that direction as a person if it is actually necessary Um, or if I trust that you would not guide me away from my desires if it was still safe to follow the desires that I have in my birth, right? So anyway, that is my conversation. This is one of the things that I talk through in my class, the birth prep blueprint. The reason that I start here is that I think it is honestly so fundamental to having a satisfactory birth experience. And I could go on a whole long rant about what that even means, but the general gist of it is that it really does not have anything to do with your birth plan following exactly what you wanted to follow and much more about everybody listening to you and feeling like you can trust your team. Like you're well-supported, you were kept safe, even in an emergency, right? We know statistically that trauma is lowered by a well-supported environment. So if you feel like there's trauma that happens and it's because you had people that you didn't trust in the room, that is huge. Where maybe an emergency will happen, but if you have a provider that you can trust, then the level of trauma from that emergency is significantly reduced. Now, that's kind of a negative Nancy ending, but... um, I think it's very important to think this through and plan it out 
for your birth experience. If this is the kind of thing that you want to learn about, the birth prep blueprint, I cannot speak today, is perfect for you. There is a 10% discount code, not code, link in the show notes. Um, That class is really all about setting yourself up for a trauma-free or trauma-reduced birth experience and also self-advocacy and consent, right? So those are some of the biggest proponents of what I teach because I think it is so important for the rest of your life, right? For everything, ever. So anywho, um, that is all for today because it's also already a very long podcast. Um, So go ahead and subscribe, comment, like, share, all those things. I would love for more people to hear this podcast. It also reminds me that you are benefiting from this stuff. I really, really, really love to hear from listeners. Um, Connecting with people is one of my favorite things. So head on over to Instagram. Shoot me a question that you would like for me to answer on one of these episodes. Um, Connect with me. Tell me what you're loving, what you'd like to be different, et cetera. Um, And do sign up for that class if you don't feel like you have a really robust education at this point. All right. I wish you well-informed, consent-filled births, and I will see you again soon.